Don't be afraid to fail. Be afraid not to try. Welcome to the Rise Up Fitness Podcast, broadcast from sunny Santa Barbara, California. We're here to go back to the facts, educate you in health and fitness, and help you rise up to your full potential. Hello and welcome back to the Rise Up Fitness Podcast. For the second episode in a row, I get to be your singular, omnipotent, omniscient, narrator, host, superstar, Don't worry, don't worry. I'm going to be back in the game after this one, so don't um, get too comfortable, Addie. I'm, it's so nice, though. I have a throne. I have a fizzy drink. Life's good. Um... Uh, okay, so let's get going. We are here to do a race recap. Oh, my name's Addie, in case you missed that and you don't want to call me your royal highness. Um, we're here to do a race recap with Kyle, who's sitting next to me again. Um, he completed his half Ironman that we discussed in our last podcast episode. It was this past weekend, um, and we wanted to uh, follow up on what we said we were going to do with our little race recap here, um, and he wants to... Uh, tell everyone a little bit about how it went and we want to know. So I think it's almost easier not to tell everyone almost how it went, but um, regardless, I know a lot of people have asked me and uh, sometimes talking about races is uh, because I promised you and doing it helps break it down. So we're going to do it, but it's going to be... Does that mean it didn't go like you had planned or hoped? It didn't go as well as I'd planned or hoped. It's obviously obviously always easier and more fun to do a great race recap when the race goes well, but I'll let you kind of uh, steer the car right now and you yeah, can Yeah, but that's not nearly it. as fun it's or true. interesting. It's true. Not it's that I true. want you to fail. And you didn't fail, by the way, I would like to point out that well, in the eyes of almost everyone on the planet, you did fantastically. Um, but obviously I want to hear about what, um, what it felt like and how it went uh, from your perspective. So uh, yeah. how did it go? Tell us a little bit about st- start to finish. Give us the little recap. Um, so it was out in uh, St. George, Utah. So beautiful out there. So um, I was feeling pretty good. The, we did it. The race week, I was feeling pretty good getting down there. Um, drive out was uh, uneventful, calm. Um, I take two this two days before the race, I take that day off. And you can cut me, if you have, cut me off here if you have questions. But two days before the race, I had a full day off. That was um, a nice, just get really relaxed, really muscles race ready. Um, showed up the day before the race. Uh, I've traveled halfway there the day before. A uh, little two-hour drive in. I always do a short, really easy swim, really easy bike, little easy run with a couple of pickups and the day before the race. And that's just a meant to, you know. What's actually, a pickup? A pickup just means a little bit of effort to race pace. So imagine you're just going on a really, really easy swim, short. It was 15 minutes. Really easy bike, 20 minutes. Really easy run, 15 minutes. And here and there, you just kind of like speed it up and Yeah, for like a minute, you know, yeah. or less. A minute or less, just to kind of get the muscles activated, get you going. So I felt good before race day. It's absolutely gorgeous out there. If you've not been out to St. George, Utah, um, and where right where Zion is, I'd highly recommend going out there at some point in your life. It's absolutely amazing and beautiful. Weather was great, uh, warm, not crazy hot, felt good. So that was the day before the race. Um, mm-hmm. You sound so calm going through it, like you've thought about it a little bit, maybe already. I've definitely th- thought about it and analyzed my race, but definitely calm going into it, and that's where you want to be. But everything went really smoothly, right? You don't want to be panicking the day before the race. That has a lot of extra stress. And so I've done enough of these and enough races that I, I know 
what the venue is going to look like. I know where to go. I know how to pick up your packet. I know how to do all that stuff for a first time. That would be the most stressful. Yeah. That would be the most stressful part for me is honestly not even once you're racing. It's like, okay, I've made it, but it's it's like, okay, where do I do this? Where do I put that tag and all that nonsense? Yes. And I have so many, so much experience in doing that so many times that that is the easy part for me and why I can show up the day before the race and get everything organized and feel comfortable. Um, you can pick up your race pack and do all that multiple days before these events. So for those of you the first time, I definitely recommend going out a little earlier just to have, you know, a little more time so you don't feel rushed. But for me, that mm-hmm. was totally fine. So All right. So race that. prep went well. You got there. You got settled. Yep. You yep. were good to go. And then the race started. Race morning. There. Yeah. So get up on race morning. It's a two transition. So I know without getting too complicated, the swims at one part, you get on your bike, you ride to another section, you drop your bike, and then you get on your running shoes and you do the run. So there's two transition areas. So race morning, you park your car. T- typical person parks their car at the finish line. You board a bus, and that takes you to the swim start. So where you start the run and end the run is the finish line in the same spot. Gotcha. So wake up. It's about, like a loop or a yeah. back or something like that. Yep. Starts about okay. 7 a.m. I got up um, about 4.30. I know it's crazy how early you have to get up, but 4.30, get your race meal, and that went well. Um, make sure everything's good. What get do you there. eat before a race like that? Um, it really depends. Um, you don't want a lot of fat or protein before the race. Hopefully you've taken that care of that in the days before. You want stuff that's easily digestible that you can utilize. So for myself, it depends on the race. The shorter the race, the less you need. Carbohydrate mm-hmm. stores, the more you need. So myself, um, I had a big bowl of oatmeal, a piece of toast with banana and almond butter. So a little bit of fat and protein. That's just enough to like stick to the ribs a little bit, but I know that won't upset my stomach, the, the mm-hmm. almond butter. And so that's what I ate. So, you know, roughly speaking, you know, with the oatmeal and everything else, you're looking at about six, 800 calories, not easy to eat for myself or anyone at four 30 in the morning. But you, I was going to say another time of day that absolutely is easy yeah. to eat. But at four, no, four 30 in the morning, nothing's really appealing yet. Unless, gotta, unless tra- you yeah. have been up until four 30 in the morning, in which case. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not that I've ever uh, been in such a situation. Anyway, back right. to you. So kind of fun to force food yourself, but that gives you time. That's you're going to digest that whole thing. If you're eating at four 30 to 5 AM and then race starts start till seven, you have time to digest it all and your carbohydrate stores are topped off before the race starts. So that's what you want. Um, normally I would probably not eat breakfast is kind of my standard, but I know how to do that. So race start, you know, get there, um, get on the bus. Put on sunscreen, I hope. I put on sunscreen. Absolutely. I was out there for a long time. The one time. The one time. Amazing. Got all prepped, got there. I was on one of the last buses to leave the transition station, which, you know, make make some people nervous. But even if you get on the last bus, when you get to transition, you still have an hour before the race starts and you check your bike in the day before. So my bike was already there. There was not much to do. And I don't like sitting around transition area for some people are there for up to two hours. That does not help me. Yeah. Well, I I would imagine it's different for everybody. So some people probably like to get there and like settle and do like breathing exercises or I don't know, something like that. So, So getting on one of the last buses, I get there in about an hour early, all good. Set up, relaxed, you know, use the bathroom again, <laughs> critical, but do that. Make sure you're feeling really calm going into the race. Now, the nerves are there. Don't get me wrong. No matter how many of these I do, no matter how much I race, you're always nervous. That's okay. That's a good thing. I always say just accept it. If you are if you can tell yourself before you go to the bed the night before, I'm going to be nervous as sh- in the morning. As what now? 
as, Never mind. Yeah. We'll try to be family <laughs> If I'm going to be super nervous in the morning, that's just how it's going to be. And you accept that the night before when you wake up and you are nervous, you're just kind of like, oh, I'm nervous. And that's okay. Well, if you weren't nervous, it probably would mean that it doesn't matter all that much Correct. to you. If you don't care, if you're not nervous, it means you don't care. And if you don't care, that's a problem. Right. But so, it's like, I mean, it's like when you get ready to perform on stage, it's right. very much like you can be nervous and that's fine. That yes. doesn't preclude you from doing well. Right. In fact, sometimes it brings more energy to it. And what you want is but those, you have to accept those it. yeah, accept I mean, it, expe- and those, expect it ex- and accept it. Expect it, accept it. You want those good nerves going in the morning, which I do. The nerves you don't want, or you don't want the panic mode. Oh my god, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? Is everything okay? That's what you don't want to avoid. Didn't have any of that. I was good. So get set up. I don't um, have that when I leave my house in the morning to go to work. Yeah, well. <laughs> You slot yourself, after you're done, you slot yourself in with um, the swim. It's a rolling start. So basically what they do is that your time, it's like, it's, think of it as almost like a big city marathon where there's 10,000 runners. There's not, there's only about 2,500 in this race, but um, basically it's a rolling start, which means your time starts as soon as you cross the timing mat. So there might be people that start 10, 15, 20 minutes after, actually at, not even that longer than that. I think it's up to 45 minutes after the first couple starters. So that means that if you are... Like swimming, biking, or running next to someone, you don't know necessarily that they've been going as long as Correct. you have. They could have started before you and they've slowed down, or they could have started behind you and been racing faster, right? Correct. And I don't really like that. I like more of the wave starts, which means is anyone you're racing in your division, you start with at the same time. That way you could technically be racing them. But this is another way to do it, and I didn't mind it so much. It's just you're not necessarily racing head-to-head. I don't love it, but I understand why it, why they do that and kind of why it works. So it was kind of an interesting start. I've never done a, a rolling start like this, but they seed you with swimmers. Now, with that being said is that um, you know, I may be racing someone in my age group down the finish line, and if they started, if we finished together at one second apart, but he started 10 seconds after me, he's going to win, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a bummer. But with that being said is... Right, so you don't know. That you don't know. But no one who is going to be competitive at the top in any age group, let's say like under 50, is going to start near the back, mm-hmm. right? So this gives the example for the people who are racing, they can start up in the first five to 10 minutes of the race because they're going to want to be around the people who are going to be fast. And this gives someone who's a first timer or someone who's just trying to finish or doesn't even really care about their time, just wants to complete it the room to step back a little bit. Right. And not yes. be like, okay, this person's trying to like aggressively shove past me or swim over Correct. me or something. And you're gotcha. starting with people who swim your ability. So if you're not a great swimmer, you can start back with people that are more relaxed. And if you're a decent swimmer like me, I tend to always try to get out with, you know, that front pack, um, in the top, you know, probably 3% of the field. Um, it allows me to swim with those people who we want to swim aggressively. We want to swim in a pack and we want to be close. And it's not that we're going to, you know, necessarily hit or jostle each other, but we know there's a benefit intentionally, intentionally, but we know there's a benefit to swimming in a pack. And so that's how we want to swim aggressively. And if there's people that are not wanting to swim that way and wanting to just kind of take their time or whatever else, we don't have to deal with them. They can go in the back and they can just take their time. They're not bothered by us and we're not bothered by them. So it actually worked out well that way. I think you're like the sharks that swim around coral reefs and attack little fishies at night. Kind of, but we're trying to get out of the water as soon as possible. They're not fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. Okay. So you started the swim. You, do you jump off something? Uh, you don't, it's kind of a, a, a beach ramp. Okay. Yes. So So you you get in the water. You kind of, you kind of get to the edge and it gets deep really quickly. You take like two steps in the water and just jump in. 
Okay. So you're swimming. How did that go? Swim it really well. Um, got right in uh, with a good group. You can't get in a really big pack because you're starting every couple of seconds, but took me a little while to get sorted, but I had some people around me, some good swimmers, kind of jostling for position. About halfway through, I got some really good feet. What I mean by that is someone that was swimming about my pace that was right in front of me, so I'm swimming next to them. Got some really good Really good feet, feet. yeah. So there's a draft. Oh, you can actually, I don't know how I feel about that phrase. You can actually gain an advantage by swimming behind someone because they're moving some of the water out of your way. You can think of it as like a boat. And someone yeah, yeah, no, I, I get the picture. I just... Yep. Got so some really good I get some really good feet, um, and I was just in a very comfortable, working hard, but not too hard position to stay on them. I don't have to sight. And so that um, came good, and I got out of the water. I think I was in, I don't know, fourth or fifth position, I think. Fifth fourth, when I looked. Fourth or fifth position. We were doing live updates as much as we could yeah. over the weekend when he was racing, when people were in class. It was lots of fun. Yeah, so fourth or fifth in my division, getting out of the water, and I was my time was really good. Yeah, swim was actually a little bit long. It doesn't matter if it's long or short, but you can gauge your time based on that, like how long you should swim. So swim I was really, really happy with, and I got out feeling very good and very comfortable, not overworked, not overexerted anything. Um, transition went really smoothly. Got onto my bike um, and got going. Um, power was good. It was where it needed to be. The course is fast. It's There's some uphills, which I like. Um, nothing crazy. There's one strong climb, but y- there's some sections where you get going really, really fast. So it's it's kind of cool. So I felt good on the bike. Um, the bike was kind of uneventful. The other thing about being out in the swim was I felt like there wasn't a lot of these drafting packs. So drafting is legal on the swim. You can get on someone's feet. On the bike, it's not legal. So you have to be five bike lengths behind someone at the closest. And if you come within five bike lengths of them, so if let's say you're three bike lengths behind someone, you have to pass them legally to make it. And that How long do you have to pass them? You have about five seconds to do okay, that. Okay, so which, you have to like make a move. Correct. Or you have to sit back. Right. Gotcha. And there's such an advantage that it's not really that hard to pass someone if you get into their draft zone. I mean, if you decide you want to do it, you give a little bit of effort, you get into their draft zone, there's plenty of time to pass them. Does it then become their responsibility to stay five bike lengths behind you once you're in front? Correct. They have the same amount of time. So because some, you can't yes. like, yeah, okay. So if so, like, let's say I'm riding and someone comes by me and passes me. Mm-hmm. I, how about I, let's say I come by you and pass you. You come by me and pass me. I'm required no matter how fast or slow you are. Anybody passes me, their front wheel crosses my front wheel. Okay. I have to drop five bike lengths back and I have mm-hmm. a certain amount of time to do that. Or if, you have to pass back. No, you can't pass back. You can't pass back. You have to drop back five bike lengths. And, and then, then you can get passed back. Oh. Because what we could do is if we were passing back and forth, I could be riding. You, you effectively become a pack. You've got to effectively become a pack. Gotcha. So if Addie, if Addie sprints by me and her wheel goes in front of my wheel and I'm riding, and I'm like, damn it, she passed me. I have to go five bike lengths back. And I have five seconds. If I don't, that's a penalty on me. If I try uh-huh. to ride next to you, if you pass me, and this happens a lot with men and women because – um, some of the pro women, they'll like pass an age group guy and, you know, there's that, you know, a little bit, oh my God, I don't want to get passed by a girl type mentality, which is oh, stupid. Oh, terrible for you. Masculinity is so fragile. Well, it's not me, I, but a lot of the guys oh, have this problem. Sure? Well, I, it's not. It I have depends. distinctly heard you use the phrase, I got chicked before. Yeah, that's true. But is that more of a source of pride for you? You Maybe. use it as a term of endearment? <laughs> yes. Toxic masculinity <laughs> ruins the party again. You got it. That's from my favorite podcast. Okay. So if Addie passes me and I don't drop back and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's, there's no way she should pass me and I try to pass her back, that's considered blocking. 
And so I'm interfering right. with her. So that's the same penalty as drafting. Interesting. So I have to go back five black lengths, and then I get back five black lengths, and my masculinity takes over, and I'm like, God damn it, that woman's going <laughs> to pass me. And I get all pissed. So then I can go pass her back, and then she has to do the same thing and drop five black lengths behind me. And then the cycle can continue. So it becomes very strategic. You don't want to waste a lot of effort. You have to make a choice when you're going to pass somebody. You don't want to waste a lot of effort because if they, you know, have a lot more oomph in them at the moment, they decide immediately they want to, you know, they're going to drop back, but then they're going to really move again. Yeah. You could end up wasting a lot of energy just like playing back and forth. You do. Yeah. You want to ride consistent as possible. If you're doing a lot of passing this back and forth and these surges, people don't realize it, but even doing a 30 second really hard surge, if you do a lot of those throughout the course, that really takes it out of your legs for the run. Yeah. So you don't, you want to pass and pass consistently, but you don't want to have this. And to be honest, there's not a lot of times where people pass back and forth and back and mm-hmm. forth and back and forth. Um, you know, you want to kind of get in. There's some of that, but most people, it's kind of someone passes and they kind of sit back and they evaluate and then go back. You know, there's not a lot of this, you know, back and forth. That's interesting. So, it's just not, it, that's not something that I knew about. Um, right. Triathlon is that, in, well, in the run, obviously, you're probably allowed to pass whoever you want and it becomes very individual, right? Correct. It's something that's. Yeah. You know, like, like you would in any other like marathon or half marathon or any running race. But I didn't think about with with cycling that you really do not just have to think about what you're doing, but what you're doing relatively to what everybody else is also right. doing. And I know it seems complicated for people who don't race and everything. It's really not super complicated. And the reason is, is that people don't understand unless you've ridden a pack or you're a cyclist and you know. But um, so, for example, if I'm following right behind someone... I'm using about 30% less power, 30% less energy. That's a huge savings. And if you're riding in a big pack, meaning there's a lot of people around you and you're sitting in, you're using about half. So it, and that's not the same with running or swimming, right? If you're running, you're running behind someone. Yeah, you may be getting a very small drafting advantage, right, but, but you're not, not moving fast way. enough. No. Yeah. So if you're riding behind someone and you're using 30% less energy, that's definitely not fair. And what, and it's, you know, so what they're trying to do is level the playing field. I mean, this is a solo effort, a triathlon in this format, this, you know, this basically this, how this format of racing works. And so you have to basically be on the bike riding by yourself. That's how it works. Interesting. Okay. So you are riding and you felt like the bike generally went it was, a, yeah. As you expected. There's one good big climb towards the end that takes about, I don't know, it's, I think it's like four miles. Um, and gradual, not super steep. Gets steep towards the end, maybe the last half mile. Felt good. Power was good on that. And then you have a really fast, like, last eight, eight nine miles into transition. And so you're screaming, and then you're going 50 miles an hour on the bike. You're not even able to pedal at that point. So what Ooh. that does, yeah, you're going fast. So what that does after that, that last climb like is actually terror. gives you a little bit of time to recover, which is nice. Get some fluid in, nutrition whatever you need to do and you know, you're good set up and get in. So rack the bike time came in on the bike. I wasn't super happy, but it wasn't, I wasn't also, it wasn't horrible. I was maybe a couple minutes slower. Bikes about two and it took me two and a half hours, two hours, 30 minutes, maybe slightly slower than, um, I was hoping, but not a ton. So it was one of those things where it's not, you know, like I'm happy. I'm where I need to be, but I'm not super fast. You know, it wasn't super fast, but it wasn't bad. So I'm kind of coming in. Okay, get off. Let's see how those running legs feel. Let's get ready to run. So get through that second transition. Mm-hmm. So you made yeah. it to the run. I did. Made it to the run um, and then basically got out. So this is a really hilly course. You get about 1,000 feet of elevation the first three miles or so. Oh. 
So it's it's a lot. So of think tough about hill. that on the climber, folks. Think about running three <laughs> miles and also climbing a thousand feet on the climber. Right. All at the same time. So you know how fast you are, and just to give you an idea, of the splits is like you are roughly running up the first three miles versus down. Um, at the same effort level, you're running a minute to a minute and 15 seconds slower up on the up. than down. Oof. So if you're holding eight minute pace on the up, you know, on the way down, you should be holding 645 to seven. And for me, like on the way up in these first couple miles, I'm trying to hold seven, meaning on the way down, I should be able to hold 545 to six minute pace. So that's, Ooh. so it, it's a, it's a significant slowdown, yeah. but that's just how it is. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Gonna have Everyone to has to do it. Right. It's an evil playing field. It's a hard course, but I knew that that wasn't. It's an evil playing field. <laughs> even, even playing field. Everyone's got to race the same course, evil, right? So it can be a hard, it can be a hard course. It can be crazy hard, but, but everyone competing has to, has to do the same thing. Right. Everyone's got to deal with the same weather, the same bike course, the same run course. So I'm running out and I'm running about seven minute pace, which, you know, seven or a little over, which I'm okay with, but you know, first mile feels okay. Second mile, I'm like, this is not great. Like I just know if you've done enough training, you know, training and racing, you know, when you just don't feel good. And I just didn't have it in me. So I get through about those first two, two and a half miles and it gets a little bit steeper on one part. And I'm already like at about mile three, having to like take a short walking break because my heart rate is a lot higher than it should be. And what it is, is it's, it's hard to, it's complicated, but it's simple in a sense. Let me just break it down simply. If I'm going to run around a track one lap, I can get my heart rate absolutely as high as I can. And I can just peg it and I can go all out and my heart rate's going to be through the roof. I run even a mile, right? Mm -hmm. An all out mile. I don't have to worry about my heart rate. If I try to peg my first mile and run all out, it's going to be a rough next 12 miles, right? Right. So I just know from experience, my heart rate is too high. This is not a heart rate that I can sustain. Like I'm in a red zone already for the next, you know, nine miles. I'm not gonna be able to hold this same effort heart rate. So right. I walk for 10 or 15 seconds, try to get my heart to come down and try to regroup and go. And basically I just felt the entire time there, like it was really, really hard to stay in control of where my heart rate was and where I was and my run fitness. So you know, after about the first three miles, I'm trying to play damage control. And so now I'm running more at like my long run, steady run pace, which the goal is to run more tempo. So, you know, my goal is to run around 630 pace and average on the course. And so now I'm not even close to that. And I'm on the flat portions, you know, so my average is 630. That's why I should be able to hold easily on the flats, especially in the beginning. And I'm holding more like seven or even a little bit over seven, seven ten in this first half of the race. And just trying to really, really get there and regroup. And so it's one of those things where you just know it's not your race day. And so it, it going through my mind is just that constant reevaluation. What can I hold? What can I maintain for the next 12 miles? And so that's where you just know the day is not yours. It's not going to turn out the way you wanted it. But with that being said, you just, you have to keep doing the best you can do in the moment. So what, what do you feel like was the difference between feeling good and feeling positive on your your swim and your bike for the most part and then getting to the run did you feel like it it was just that you know having already done you know almost 3 solid hours of effort that that was just it, it became right. too much or in terms of the duration or do you feel like it was the switch to running that was kind of the change that that made well, it too much or right and so this is where there's not hard facts, right? It'd be awesome to say it's like, oh, you did X, Y, and Z exactly wrong. And that's what it is. And that's where you kind of got to decipher the data. I mean, the obvious things are you saying you're three and a half hours into your workout at the start of the run, right? Or, or even over that a little bit. 
And so one thing is, is like, yeah, you're not going to be able to run as fast when you've worked out for three and a half hours and then you're starting to run as if you just started to run. That's obvious. Um, The other thing is, where's your run fitness at? So even if you're able to go the length and the duration, meaning you're able to go a long time, you being able to um, sustain a, a solid run pace might not be the lack of the time you're out there, but might be the lack of your run fitness. So for me, I think it might have been a little combination. I'd done lots of long rides. I'd done some long runs, but um, I haven't done any, I, I hadn't linked together any super long rides and super long runs together to see if that was part of it. I don't think that was the major player. I think that was part of it as you get off the bike and then because of those, there is some fatigue in your legs, you're not able to run. So I think that mm-hmm. did play somewhat of a role. Um, again, this is my first long half Ironman you know, race back in about six years. So I don't have the you know miles and things under my legs even though i've been training since december or january four for years it. well i raced hard the last big race it was four years ago but this distance i was racing oh, competitively nice. at an olympic distance which is a two-hour I, I was doing the math in my head i'm like wait 2015 wasn't six years ago already no i raced very very competitively in in 2015 but it was at a two-hour race so the last okay, time i so raced long different. it's different yeah mm-hmm. so i was very fit then but i i wasn't it's just a different kind of fitness okay well how did you how did you cope with, you know, you were saying, well, at that point you're, you're doing damage control. You're trying to right. finish out the race as best you can, given the circumstances, which are right. whatever they are right at this point there, it's happening, right? Yeah. How do you mentally, and I mean, I don't even know if you, you have emotions about it at the moment. I would, because I'm a very emotional person, but like, you know, like I've, I've had workouts where it starts to go badly and sometimes for whatever reason you get in your mind, you're like, link it to like emotional things. You get frustrated and and absolutely. Yeah. How did you do that kind of mental? What do I cope with? What's going through my head at the time? Yeah. How do you deal with that? Yeah. And I guess just to finish up in your last question, I mean, I think part of it was my run fitness was just not there. Um, and I need to get better at doing that over the long course. So some of it is building out longer workouts, but I think most of it is that specific run fitness. Um, we were talking about this before is that, you know, it's like I I think I thought my run fitness was a little better than it was. Part of that was it's a little hard to tell as we went into that last little period of uh, training. My last big training block, I had a chest infection. So I wasn't able to do the amount of training that I had. And I had had some good workouts and some not. And it's hard to determine, is my fitness there? Does that do to the chest infection? Is it there? And I'm not going to make excuses. Like everyone's got to deal with their own issues. And on the day. Right. Um, but there, there are excuses and then there are right. reasons. I don't and think understanding it, yes. those. Will, and I think that help you improve later. Right. And it's, it's not making an excuse. But part of the reason was, is I think that I underestimated where my run fitness was at. Overestimated. I, well, yes. Overestimated where my run fitness was mm-hmm. at, or I underestimated where I was at, but mm-hmm. more my run, overestimated where my run fitness was at. And I wasn't able to do as much work as I would have liked due to that chest infection. And by the time it had cleared up and I was feeling really good, it was too close to race day to really go out and test it with a really, really hard workout. Right. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm at. I'm, st- you know, on the evaluation, I'm not, you never know for sure, but that's where I'm kind of, mm-hmm. you know, chalking it up to as far as getting on the race. It's really hard mentally. If when you have high goals and, um, you know, my run split ended up being about a one thirty five half marathon, which is, even. Amazing, by the Ama- way. Amazing. But Just want to put that out there. Amazing. But um, when you look at it, I was holding even slower than the pace I hold for an Ironman. And so even though on some people, they might be saying like, oh, I'd love to run a 135. For my, I would love yeah, to run a 135. Yes. So, it's, so myself is not comparing myself to the winner or to anyone else as to knowing what I can do. And I know that if, you know, 
what I can do is about 10 minutes faster than that. And mm-hmm. so we're, we're talking about 45 seconds to a minute per mile faster is what I'm able to do. So even someone who runs a two hour half marathon, you know, them going two or two ten or two fifteen. It's a big difference. It's a big yeah. difference. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I was at. Um, but what's going through your head is, you know, it's the first thing is, oh, your day's over. It's you're not going to reach your goal. What's the point? You know? Right. And that's hard. Like that's hard to kind of mentally deal with because it's easy to give up. And for myself is, you know, and, and the other thing is, is like you see professionals and they'll drop out of races. And I think that for someone who's a professional to do that, sometimes when you're not having your bad day and you're like out of the prize money or you're like, you're like, okay, I'm out because I'm saving my, and I'm going to try to regroup and I race. Might do it like I might race next, next weekend week. right, right, or right. two weeks you're from like, now. You're like, it's not worth right. it for me to kill myself right now exactly. because so, as this right. is my life. So I need to do it all the time and Correct. it's better for me to just, Correct. right. And I can race a lot, but I can't do an event like this. It's not like I can pick it up and do it next weekend or whatever. There's right. too many things, too much cost, too many things too associated with it, too much life. And so what I always look to is, is like, it's like, don't feel sorry for yourself. Yes, your your thing is, but you have a lot of people following you and you have a lot of people that are rooting for you. And how are you going to feel if you tell them that you just gave up? Mm-hmm. And so my thing is, is like, it's just try to play damage control and try to do the best you can do at the moment with whatever it is you have. And I even aspire that to like, let's say I'd done zero run training. I'd only swum and bike and I'd done not, no run. Mm-hmm. Well, my plan would be the same. Get on the run and if you have to power walk a minute and run a minute for the entire half marathon, that's maybe the best you can do on the day. Mm-hmm. And for, for me, it was like, don't focus on the outcome. Don't focus that you're disappointed. Don't focus on that. You know, your run's not going to be good. Focus on what is the absolute fastest way you can get to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And for myself and evaluating at that time, and it's hard to do it mentally, but me, me saying, I'm just going to get in a rhythm. I'm not going to look at my watch. I'm not going to look at my pace and I'm going to run a steady effort, a steady tempo that I know I can maintain. Mm -hmm. And so on the flats that ended up being me running about, you know, seven, seven minute pace, maybe a little bit slower, seven, 15 pace. Mm -hmm. When I know I should be running about 45 seconds faster than that, it was probably about seven is what I was running with that being said. And in, and when I was going through an aid station or when my heart rate was getting really high, or I felt like I was kind of taxed on my limit, I was going to take a walking break, which I don't, I can't even tell you the last time I walked in a race, just to be honest with you. That's just, mm-hmm. you know, a personal goal. But even in an Ironman race, I just, I, that's not something I do. But mm-hmm. in this race, I, my goal was and when my heart rate gets really fine, I feel pegged and I feel like I'm going to have to slow and trust me. I'm going to take a walking break and I'm going to decide before that walking break how many steps I'm going to do. I'm going to count left foot strikes. And mm-hmm. It's going to be 10, 15, or 20. And I'm going to start before I start walking, I'm going to decide how many steps it is. So it was like, okay, I'm going to take 10 steps. So I start walking one, two, three. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like 10 seconds is about 10 seconds right. or 15 or 20 or whatever I need. And I would try to do it in aid stations where I can drink, I can get some fluid, I can mm-hmm. pour some water over my head or do whatever else it is. And then going back up. So I was walking about every mile, mm-hmm. which is not, again, not what I want to do, not what is good for me. So it just is play damage control. And then the other thing I was thinking is the last three miles, remember the first three miles are uphill. So the Mm, last three miles are downhill. So get to mile 10 and you can run downhill. And I was able to run the last three miles downhill because it was downhill. Mm -hmm. And again, not fast, not anywhere near. I should be, like I was saying, I should be running about six minute pace on those last three miles because of the steep downhill. I was running more like 6.45 to seven and that was fine. So, you know, I get to the finish line and I'm, I think my average run pace is maybe seven twenty, mm-hmm. something like that on that on that race, which you know, with walking. So, you know, if I'm walking ten to twenty seconds per mile means I was averaging about seven minute pace when I was running and my average mile pace was in that seven twenty range, so that's kinda of where it was. Right. And I well it's I think it's something that's really important to 
think about in all aspects of your life because there are so many things where I think we shy away from doing things because we don't want to do them not up to our standard. Correct. And sometimes that's reasonable, right? It's right. like, I'm not going to go run a marathon tomorrow because I haven't trained for a marathon and I'm going to hurt myself or whatever, right? But it's, you know, seeing somebody go, oh, you know, I'd really love to well, fill in the blank. Like, I'd really yeah. love to run a half marathon. I'd really love to do whatever, right. but I don't want to do it not up to whatever standard I have in my head, which may not be fair. Well, so absolutely. I'm just not going to do it. Right. Well, and, like if I don't, you know, if I can't I mean, run a half marathon at, in yeah. 120, then I don't want to do one. And it's like, well, then there's no way for you to bridge that gap. You've just cut yourself off from something that maybe you would really like to do. Right. It's like the same thing we do. Sometimes Correct. Academically, no, it's, like well, it's, we're afraid of being know, judged. And I understand that. I mean, we have, oops, we do, sorry. Well, we do. We have team days at, at Rise Up, and it's a specific workout, and some people choose to come to them and some people don't, and that's fine, and I don't have a problem with that, but team days are fun where we get in a team. Now, if you've ever been to a team day, you know that you're going to be encouraging and supportive of anybody on your team, and that's how we make it in this in our atmosphere, whether they right, it has no, are it has nothing, nothing to do with your with ability. how quickly no, you go. It has absolutely everything to do with your effort, but some people are scared to come to team day because they feel like... I'm not fast enough. People are going to look at me. People are going to judge me. And I totally understand that. And I've had a lot of people that come in and they're like, oh, it's not, once they do it, it's not as scary as it is. It doesn't, you know, people are supportive. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that I try. And that's exactly the point. Or you, you learn something from it, you know, Correct. and it's not just something athletic. You know, I have, when I was in college, I took a couple classes that were really, really, really difficult that, you know, I didn't technically need for... I needed it for one major, and then I ended up double major. It's a long story, but I I took these classes that were required, were required, but you challenged yourself end. to do but I, it. Yes. yes, and they were required for once, and it's not fine. But they were really, really hard, and I did not get the grades in them that I hold myself to because Correct. I was a very whatever. And you that, probably that got an A minus, and I could say, I, no, Addy, I didn't. You no, B. I didn't. It was okay. much worse than that. Well. But you know, if somebody asked me, okay, well, what did you actually learn from those, whatever? Because if those grades weren't on my transcript at all for classes that I didn't need to take, my transcript would look very different, right? Right. But if somebody asked me, you know, say it was for a job or something and they said, hey, you know, you've got these two grades on here that are really not like the rest of it. Can you tell me a little bit about it? I would unquestionably tell you that I'm glad that I took those classes regardless right. of yes. what some records. So whether it's it's a, a grade book or your watch or you have people from your gym who are watching you raise something, deciding to do something in spite of the fact that you may not do it at the level that you decided right. you wanted to for whatever reason can actually be really, really mentally something that builds you up, like yes. really help. I don't know if it's build well, your character, you, but really build well, it, you up to be stronger. It helps. And I, I can't tell you that it didn't go through my mind. Like, let's say I would have just dropped down in the run, you know, and I, I, I had it, you know, and then we come back and I didn't have a finishing time. Right. I'm not going to come back. No one's going to be like, I can't believe you didn't finish. No one's going to say that to my face. Well, I might know some thinking people of it. might. Some people might, but I can't believe you did. But let's say I just told everyone, oh, I was just cramping uncontrollably on the run. I don't know what it was. I was having muscle cramps. There was no way I could finish. They would be like, oh, I'm a bummer. I'm sorry that happened yeah, to you. Yeah. Which right? sometimes does happen. Correct. But and, – and so that's a little bit more of like I was forced to stop. There was nothing I can do. I could right. have easily said that. Legitimate Correct. reasons why you can't right. or there, no, there aren't. continue. Absolutely. Right? That but happens too. I could have done that and no one would have known. No one would have said anything to me. It's a lot harder for me mentally when I come back to the gym and everyone's following me. Everyone knows what I'm doing. Everyone's a lot like, for oh me God, to how say – How did it go? How did it go? How did it yeah, go? Yeah, I mean to say – 
it didn't go well. It, yeah. The run was hard. I walked almost every mile. That's not what I wanted. That's not my character. And so just even like me, it's, it's hard for me to kind of like face those facts and go out. Now, with that being said, people are too scared of what others will think for them. And I had so many people that were so supportive and everything else. But my favorite thing is, is a lot of people like you were saying, I think it's amazing. You did an amazing job. You did a great job. And I really appreciate that. I absolutely appreciate the people that said, you still did well. I'm still proud of you. That's still great. But I've also had some friends that were be like, wow, what the hell happened on your run? Like break me down. And it wasn't because they're trying to like cut me down, but they are interested in what it was and how it was and that they know me and they've seen me race and they know what my times are and they know it wasn't up to my standard. Which is also in some ways it's like a backwards compliment because they do know what you're capable of doing and they believe that you're capable of doing something that's much and better than that for lack of a better term. And I guess my point is, is to that is that like, I, I definitely failed in this race to achieve my goal. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, I'm not going to come back and I know I say, Oh, I failed that thing, but people are afraid to say that. And people are afraid to like tell that to people. And I don't want people to feel bad for me that I failed. Like, obviously I want people to want the, what's best for me. But if I said, I did not meet my goal and I failed, people are too afraid in this world to fail sometimes. And I failed and I failed in front of hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of members of our gym right Mm -hmm. and i didn't have the race but i'm not going to sit there and like make excuses and tell whatever my thing is is like it didn't go to plan and this is what i failed and i appreciate the people were like wow that's a bummer and what is it and then what's next right yeah well there are there are lots of legitimate things in the world to be afraid of but correct not doing well in something that you've chosen to challenge yourself in right is not worth being afraid of to the point where you don't do it even right. though you want to, it's you're so afraid of failing correct. at it that you don't do it. And I failed, and what my life hasn't changed. So I'm, you're I'm, still disa- alive? I'm still alive. I'm oh my god, disappointed in the race, a little bit disappointed in myself, wishing my train went better. What's the best thing you can do? Learn from it. Don't harp on it. Learn from it. Tell people what it is. Focus. Regroup. Go back and what race again and have a good race and. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I have a good race, maybe as soon as I have a good race, you'll forget about about the bad one. So I just, I just want to say down there is like, you know, if you considered it in my book, a lot of people are saying like, oh man, I would love, I can't even, I would have loved to have done that time or that place and everything else. And that's great. And that, that's awesome for myself. That's great, but you're not No, that's great. But I failed my own goal. I didn't achieve my goal and I failed for myself and that's okay. And I'm okay with that. And I'm still glad I went. I had an amazing experience. The race venue is great. I want to go back. I want to do it again. I'm excited about it, mm-hmm. but it's okay for me to say I failed, and but I'm really glad I did it, and to focus on what's next. So. Yep, and you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and all those other good things. So, what is next? What are you, what are you going to do next? Are you done for a while, or are you? No, I want to race again. Um, oddly enough, I for oddly enough I didn't run that fast on race day, so I wasn't. Usually, I'm destroyed muscularly, like my muscles are just feel like they're uh, have a you know been in the middle of a battle field for like three or four days after a race like that if i've raced to my potential and i can't do much but i felt pretty good on monday so i went right back into normal training so that was a benefit well there you go you don't race hard you're not super <laughs> Every sore cloud has a silver lining there we go so i went right back into training on monday and i felt really good this weekend i've had some quality workouts so um there's a race as soon as um ne- not this saturday but next saturday ventura there's a triathlon there so might jump back into that. I'm just trying to decide and figure out my schedule in the next couple of days if I can do that. And there's also one that I got invited with a friend to go down to Long Beach uh, a couple of weeks after that. So cool. Some options, some you know possibilities. But um, the the news is I'm I'm not going to have a 
a big race, like this was considered a big race, but I want to get back into some serious hard training and I want to keep racing because I feel like part of the reason that what I need to do to get back to where I was is I need to race more. You can't because it simulate. Makes you happy. It makes me happy. And you, if you want to do well, you can't simulate race conditions and training no matter how much you want to. The best right. thing to do is to get out and race. And I just need to get out and race. And I, yeah. So. Well, that's great. I think that it's. You know, honestly, it makes for much better listening if you failed rather than if you succeeded. But no, no, that's no, that's good. not. I that's am. not. I mean, that's well, that's the truth of almost every story on the planet. There has to be some sort of failure. If there's no failure, there's no middle to the book. So correct. So failure, and we'll hopefully feel good about the failure when I have a good result. Mm-hmm. And um, we hope that this um, has helped somebody. You know, maybe listening. Maybe you are afraid of doing something that you want to do, or because you're afraid of not doing it as well as you think that you should. Um, and hopefully you learn that it, it doesn't matter if you don't do it very well the first time or the second time, or however many times it is that you've raced now, sometimes you just fail and that's okay. Um, and you learn from it and you get back up and you keep doing the things that make you happy and bring excitement and drive to your life. Right. My biggest piece of advice and tell you, and I've said this to lots of people, lots of times is don't be afraid to fail. Be afraid not to try. That's, that's a great, a yeah, I think that's a great way to, um, to end it for now. Great. Um, yeah, I think that's awesome. We look forward to seeing what it is that you do next. Um, I'm sure that there will be many people who want to continue to talk to you about your racing and your training. And if you have, um, anything like this, if you, you're looking to get into working out, if you're looking to get into racing or training or anything that we can help with, that's what we're here for. And we'd love to have these conversations with you too. Yep. That'd be awesome. So come in. All right. Have a great day and we will be back soon. We'll be back soon. Thanks.